0: We hands! Your hands, mate! Nah, I thought he was alright. back the next spot. Push oh. back. Take Take
1: Welcome back here, everybody. Another week of Super Rugby. It's episode 140 of Green and Gold Rugby's podcast. I'm Rugby Reg. Welcome to the show. Three special guests with you today. We've got uh, Matt down there in Sydney. How are you, Matt?
2: Good, mate. How are you?
1: Very well, buddy. Steve in Canberra, Nations Capital. How are you down there? Everything under control?
3: Yep, all good so far.
1: And further sur- south, back in the winner's circle, Stu from the uh, from Melbourne. How are you, Stu?
4: Uh, good, thanks, mate. Just like your classic Waratahs fan, I only show up when we win.
1: <laughs> it's, which is why we haven't seen much of you late, Stu. So it's, so, yeah, it's well, I've
4: have- I've had stuff to do. You know, the <laughs> AFL started back up again, and you know, I really have no excuse. It's, it's no. been a bad. It's been a bad month, guys. I'm just glad to be back.
1: <laughs> That's all right, mate. Well, let's get into the detail, bit quickly, we do have a special guest, James Chibahansen from the Reds, is joining us a little bit later. But uh, just a quick review of Week 7, uh, results-wise, Crusaders and the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes got up there by three points, uh, which was um, an excellent game. I thought of that. it was a fantastic game. Uh, a late uh, uh, run there from the Hurricanes got them over the line. Uh, then let's jump straight into it. The Rebels got up over the Brumbies, 32-24. to 24. Amazing game. It was, uh, it was at 10-3 at halftime, and I think it was 17-3 not long after that to the Brumbies. But uh, what a performance by the Rebels. Steve, let's go straight to you, mate. Give us your read. You were there, I assume.
4: Oh, well, you make it sound exciting, and I'm sure it was from a from a neutral's point of view. But I tell you what, after 80 minutes, I was about ready to pull my hair out because in, the, in that 80-minute game, you saw the absolute worst and the absolute best of the Melbourne Rebels. Um, the first 20 minutes was some of the most frustrating rugby that they have... They pulled out in their four years of existence. Uh, they were put under immense pressure by the Brumbies and resorted to what has been, in all fairness, their plan B since they started playing Super Rugby, which was to uh, kick in blind hope for position uh, and hope for a uh, for a fumble by the uh, the opposing team uh, when they regained it, which of course never happens when you have a yeah, backs like uh, White and Mog. So the Brumbies were were straight onto it. They scored in the in the second minute and had the ascendancy for the first twenty minutes. To be honest, they would have won the game had it not been for some uncharacteristically attacking decisions by uh, <laughs> um, by Ben Moen and the Brumbies. Um, they had probably in the last twenty minutes of the first half they had plenty of penalties go their way because the rebels were trying to pressure the breakdown and uh, and giving away a lot of penalties they could have iced it by going for the post they decided to go for the line out and the rebels pressure within the final five meters was it was slowly getting better and they managed to hold out the uh... uh... hold the ten three score line from uh, Twenty minutes in, through to the second half,
1: and then they just switched on. Well, Stu, let's before you get into that, let's let's hear from Steve. And it's a bit of deja vu there. You're talking about that because I can remember us making the same comments after that very first round when the Reds beat the Brumbies. Was it was almost like they'd swapped captains, where uh, Kev was uh, a little bit more conservative and took the points, and and Benny Moan was more attacking, going for the going for the try, and it would seemingly cost them. Them, Steve, they did look good that first half. They did, that man Jesse Mogg, again early and he's, he's playing, attacking, he's attacking very well this season, scoring some great tries, um, very elusive and, and a very strong scrum, set him up for another try. Steve, what was your read of that first half?
3: Well, like Stu said, the first 20 minutes, I think pretty much decided that match when the Brumbies kept hammering the line um, and just the handling errors cost them. And they probably, I think, underestimated the Rebels to an extent. Um, I can't take anything away from the Rebels' defence because they just... Seem to be tackling their hearts out, and I think at one stage there, the uh, sorry the Brumbies had like ninety percent territory and two thirds possession, and the Rebels barely got out of their own half. And I think once they knew that they could hold out the Brumbies' attacking uh, raids, they uh, seemed to be in with the shot, and obviously went away with it in the second half. And it's very un. Uh, there's been a bit of a trend of Brumbies dropping off in the last quarter this year. They've conceded a few tries in that last quarter, and uh, what did they give up in that second half? Something like uh, 26 points or something. Yeah. And uh, yep. a fair few of those were from penalty goals. And it's it's been uh, some time since they've conceded. I think six penalty goals.
1: Yep. 29 points in that second half. And all right, let's move on to that now because the star of the show, I think, quite a, quite. Uh, uh, consistently across the board, it was, was Jason Woodward who scored a club record 27 points. But there is that space of, oh, I don't know, was it 10 minutes or so where we scored two tries to Woodward and Inman, and even Tommy English scored probably what will go down as the greatest try not to be scored this year yeah. um, in a remarkable piece of play. But what a turnaround that second half, Stu. What was that? What, that, what clicked it in?
4: Well, I mean, speaking from a, uh, from a uh, fan's perspective, you like to think you have some input and one of the rare thing one of the things that i saw at uh, the game on friday that's quite rare in melbourne is that the rebels lost the crowd after 20 minutes you could audibly hear um, hear the boos go across amy park when they were kicking uh, i mean you you can accuse melbourne fans of not knowing the game or you like but they knew what they were seeing and they didn't like it whatever it was so um they just they switched on in the second half, and Jason Woodward was the live wire. Uh, he not only did he deliver when it came to taking the kicks, but he, along with the, the centre pairing of Mitch Inman and Tamati Ellison, uh, really got the backline far more organised. And when they got organised, they got more confident, and they were able to run with the ball. And that's, I mean, that's the key for the Rebels because it's one thing that they are very very good at that I'm not even sure they're aware of yet, is that they can run the ball. They're very fast, and especially or Tom, in, Tom English on the wing is, uh, is case in point. You're right, it's the greatest try never scored. Uh, the collection uh, from the uh, from the restart, I think he gave the don't argue to two or three Brumbies players, put it down over the line and just forgot to hold on to it. Um, my main concern and why it frustrated me so much to watch this game uh, on the replay was why can't they play like that all the time i mean why does this why does this kicking have to persist persist when i mean surely they know they're not very good at it <laughs>
2: well I- <laughs> So the thing I was going to add, well, two things. One is, yeah, it was a bit laxative of Tom English, wasn't it? Very, Ooh. very laxative. <laughs> um, he
1: would be shitting himself.
2: Yeah. <laughs> After that, for sure. Um, but uh, I loved how he tried to carry it off, though, because he knew surely that he missed that and just thought, you never know. And because the ref was really close to awarding it, so um, that was quite funny. Well,
4: if you if you watch the replay, you can see his uh you can see his reaction as that as he goes to the TMO. He was giving. Uh, he was giving the referee massive puppy dog eyes, yeah. and you and you can't say no to Tom English's puppy dog eyes. It's oh. it was heartbreaking to see it, but um, uh, to see it rejected.
2: But the one thing, the other thing that I uh, noted down is, especially in the second half uh, when the Rebels are really barnstorming, is it. I guess it looks like they're just running, and um, all of a sudden everything's working. But I think part of that was just their attacking breakdown work was fantastic. Um, and that was probably also a mix of I think the Brumbies just they weren't getting those dominant tackles in, um, which allows you then to compete at the breakdown. But the Rebels were just doing a brilliant job of just clearing the ball so quickly that I mean it, it kind of makes up with one of the weaknesses in the Rebels back line which is obviously kind of the playmaking. But what you but but what you don't lack for is good runners,
3: um, mm-hmm. you
2: know. And so I think once you get, once you're getting over that game line and getting fast ball, the defense can't reset. You've got a bunch of guys there now. And, um, you know, I think a few people noticed how, you know, even, uh, is it Mitch Inman um, yes, yes. Has, has learned how to move sideways, not just forwards. And, you know, all of a sudden when there's a bit of gaps and when the defence is scrambling, you guys, you know, but those runners look unstoppable. And I think that, that was a massive difference. And I'm sure that's something that Tony McGann's really brought um, there because in Ireland that whole, you know, smashing at the breakdown um, is something that's straight out of the lens of the playbook.
4: Yeah, you're yeah. right, Gags. And I think two of the, uh, the big... Improvers from first half to second half were uh, Luke Jones and Colby Fainga. Mm. Um, Colby especially was just electric at the breakdown. I think he he got a couple of turnovers himself, and then once it got to um, once it got out to the backs, it was straight to English or Inman and Ellison. And once they got the ball, it was it was game over. They could just get it out to the wings and run it.
1: Mm. And uh, the impact of uh, your little red nut there at Scrum Half, Stu, um, who's back from injury, Nick Terzaka, Um, or any way you'd like to pronounce it. I was, I was surprised that Burgess got dropped. I thought he has been playing well, but he's a, he's a definite talent young Nick and, and, um, and uh, freed up that back line well, I thought.
4: Yeah, he, he did well. Um, I think there's still some, uh, a lot of room for improvement for, for Nick. I think it's Zaka. So maybe that's yep. maybe that's just because that's how I pronounce my name, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he uh, did. He come off in the in the second half, and then yeah, I, I think, think Burgess did, yeah. came back on. And yeah, yeah. So I think Stazaka, as as a young scrum half, one of the things I think his positioning is very good, uh, and that's why he got um, he got picked when uh, quite often over. Nick Phipps, when they were competing for the same spot, is that his positioning and quickness to the breakdown is uh, is a lot better. Uh, I still think he needs to to work on his pass uh, because, especially in the first half, he was a little slow to get the, the ball out, and as the Rumbies were pressuring, uh, it, it led to turnovers. But he's he's definitely coming along, and I think Luke Burgess being there as a mentor uh, will help him, will help him immensely. Absolutely. Now, Steve, back to you, mate. What What was the issue with the Brumbies from your read? What's
1: What went wrong?
3: Well, they just looked a little bit behind, the, like half a step behind the the play that they're normally up to. Um, they had a, a quietish, not a, not quietish, but a, a lesser impact training this week. Uh, it's been raining a fair bit last week, so they only managed to get I think two sessions in. Um, and they've had a big month of of, uh, of play. They've had uh, in the last two games. Especially against the Waratahs and the Stormers, I think it seemed to have uh, taken it out of them a little bit, and they just seemed um, half a step behind and they're just a little, little tired and fatigued. And I think, uh, like you said, like we see the 29 odd points in the second half. I haven't seen them concede that many f- for a while, so I think they'll look to fix that up this week. Obviously,
1: yeah, absolutely, and they they should be buoyed by the return of Christian Liliofano back to the starting lineup. We think this week, but we'll get to that in a little while uh you, you must say, uh, the, the back row combo, I know it's worked well. Jared Butler's had uh, a promising season so far, but they're really under the pump now with Moen at eight and, and, and Butler there and, and Jordan Smiles playing uh, at number six there. It doesn't have the same, you know, you take Pocock out at any back row and it it won't be as good, but uh, yeah, you can just sense that that, that combination is struggling to assert itself.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, it'll, it could take a few more games to to. Gel completely. Uh, obviously, when you have your your plan of having Pocock there out after one or two games, it obviously won't take five seconds to fix. Yeah. And no, no matter how much preseason training you do, it's the game uh, time and and environment that's going to be obvious where obviously where it needs to work, and it will take probably another game or two, I think. But um, hopefully not too long.
1: Yeah. But uh, good to see young Robbie Coleman score another try on the, on the wing there. We talked about him, not last week, the week before, being uh, the scrum half out of position on the wing. But regardless, he's still scoring tries out there, even if it was uh, a late one.
3: Yep, the old Prince of... Uh, the, sorry, the young Prince of Queanbeyan. He's, uh, like, in the trials... In the trials, <laughs> in the trials he, he came on and was, you know, he's quite pacey. He has played sevens for Australia before, so he's no slouch yep. and... Uh, He's just been um, probably a victim of circumstances where there's just been um, good depth in the back line there, um, and he's had a few injuries as well at the wrong time. I like, can remember his first game, I, th- I think he played, was back in 2010, and scored in you know, his first game against the Chiefs, against uh, Tana Umanga, I think it was. So Yeah, I remember he's, that, absolutely. Yeah, he's been there for a while, so um, and he led the Brumbies to the um, Sevens title in um, London last year, so... Yeah, you know, he's he's got the skills and everything, but um, you know, just when it comes to the the crunch, he just unfortunately misses out, or something happens uh, to rule him out.
1: Yep, sure, fair enough. All right. Well, let's move on from that uh, Brumbies and uh, Rebels game. Fantastic win to the Rebels. We really hope they uh, can maintain the momentum now. Particularly Stu, we'd like to have you back on the on the podcast more, but it's part of your performance agreement, mate, that it only comes from the, <laughs> the Rebels win. So, um, I just get too depressed. <laughs> I get too
0: depressed. It's alright. Right.
1: So know how you feel. All right, we're going to call in our very special guest now. We've got James Hanson. We're going to talk about the Reds. Yeah, right there, right there. Here we are with James Hansen, Reds hooker, who was a, a star performance in the Reds' performance, uh, their win over the Stormers on the weekend where the Reds got up 22-17 to back at Suncorp Stadium. It was great to be home back at Suncorp, was it James? We've only played one game there this season so far.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was good. Thanks for having me on the show, first of all. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was great to get a, another win um, back at
1: SunCorp, mate. Before we get too much into the rugby, one of the uh, the talking points of the Reds this year has been this facial hair. Um, some <laughs> remarkable facial hair going on yourself and Jono Owen. We've had a few tweets going on suggesting that uh, Jono's edging you a little bit, but I think you got beard of the round but from one of the websites um, this week. So that's something to be very proud of. But there's obviously a cause. This is all culminating in a wonderful cause for you guys. To be brave and shave.
0: Yeah, it started off as a bit of a competition. We just see who could uh, who could grow the best beard. Um, there was a few of us in the in the race. Obviously, Donna O'Han's probably um, far and ahead the the leader at the moment. It's, um Curtis Browning's involved in it, and James Hall was involved in it initially as well. But um, when you have the beard, you go through. Um, all sorts of stages, and you see bikes drop out at each stage. And there's the itchy phase, and all of stuff you got to push her And then there's also the girlfriend stage, and that's where it sort of <laughs> bowed out of the race, and and uh, and got uh, under the pump there to get rid of it. So he he bowed out, and um, there's only sort of a few of the strong ones that have survived. And um, unfortunately, uh, next week we're uh, we're getting rid of it, but it is for a good cause, so um, we're more than happy to to do it so, so um, hopefully yeah. we're, we're trying to raise 25000 for the Leukemia Foundation for the, the greatest show so um, we're at 14000 at the moment so we've still got a fair way to go
2: so, so Chip it sounds like you've grown to love it mate
0: mate I have I have and um, the funniest boy is probably Jono um, with it. He, initially he was sort of when I asked him um, he was pretty keen to get rid of it but now he's, uh, he's really um, hitting it sort of deep phase of depression or anxiety about getting rid of it. So okay. I is don't it, know how he's going to go with it. Is it the hipster look that you guys have grown into? Is that, is that the bit that you're liking? I don't know. It's sort of gone... It's almost gone um, past that. I think initially probably the hipster look is uh, is a little bit, you know, in between somewhere between, you know, tidy beard and and a little bit of aftershave. So I think... Um, mm-hmm. We've almost grown out of that into the into the lumberjack um, yeah the
1: zZ top it's the bulls ZZ top at the moment, <laughs> I reckon yeah yeah, so it's,
0: it's got a bit out of control
1: but on the flip side, so you've got these your big tough guys there, you've got yourself and John O and Curtis uh, on the flip side, and I'll chuck in Ollie Richardson there for a bit of a plug for ollie but um yeah. but on the flip side, you've also got a couple of pretty boys there who are taking a bit of a plunge in in Gilly um, and uh, Mike Harris who
0: are shaving the top of their heads. Is that correct? Yeah. Mate, when, I, when I sort of asked around a few people, they were uh, they jumped straight on it and were, were keen to, to shave. So I think um, it was pretty easy for Gilly. He's always up for a free haircut, so he was in straight away. And um, Mikey Harris took a bit more convincing, but um, I think he was sort of, now that he's checked up with the girl, he was more than happy to sacrifice his Cleo Bachelor of the Year <laughs> um, title and, uh, and go and see how he looks with the crew cut.
4: I was a bit surprised uh, about, uh, about Gilly, though, James, uh, Stewart here, um, because yep. I'm looking at the uh, at the Reds Rugby website now. There's a link to donate on uh, redsrugby.com.au. Uh, Liam Gill looks like a man, well, to me, he looks like a man who has great pride in his appearance. You know, like, you know, you're a very, very pretty boy. No, uh, th- th- is it, is it going to be hard for him to to cope? Is he underestimating what it's going to take to shave his own head?
0: Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It's funny you say that because um, for the people that know him quite well, he's actually the complete opposite. He, um, <laughs> 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 it's just the he eyes. Really You've lost his eyes.
4: I am. Uh, it's it's a very good photo.
0: <laughs> yeah, he... Um, <laughs> he's funny I remember I actually do remember the last time we got a haircut was um with one of our sponsors we had a shoot for cloakroom one of the menswear sponsors and (laughs) they doled him up completely and looked a million bucks and so that's um that's literally the last time he's he's cut his hair but yeah he does uh, scrub up pretty well when he when he wants to but um you don't often see him out of uh, a pair of boardies and thongs he's uh, a pretty pretty laid back sort of guy he
4: just doesn't like paying for haircuts that's it (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> all, all right. Look, guys, so it's a great cause. We'll move on that. It's, it's fantastic work you guys are doing. Uh, there's also an awesome clip on, on Reds TV. It'll be on the Red site somewhere that uh, Quirky goes across and interviews um, Jono and Mikey Harris, and, and it's a cracker. So jump on the Reds website and try and find that if you can. But let's get to the game. Um, Chip, uh, a really tough one versus the Stormers there. The Stormers haven't necessarily produced the goods. This year, but I'm betting you would have Anticipated a fairly tight and rugged Game going into that one
0: Yeah, we, we definitely um, Didn't underestimate them at all They, uh, although they haven't got many Wins this year, they've consistently Been one of the top teams in South Africa For a long time now, so um, Yeah, we we always Knew it was going to be a tough game and Obviously a must win, pretty much for Both teams really, we're, we're both sort of under the palm, so it's Um I think just for us getting back to the back to SunCorp, um, back into the usual routine was uh, a big bonus for us. And yeah, I think we had obviously had a lot of frustration from the from the previous few weeks that we um, we really wanted that win uh, massively. So it was it was good to get there in the end.
1: And how was your preparation? You obviously had to fly back in from South Africa, and, and word was you had a few guys with with stomach cramps and there's some back spasms going on it was a uh, uh, not your ideal leader
0: no it, it wasn't ideal but um it, it never really is coming back from africa it's always i've found compared to flying over there it's always a lot harder coming back for whatever reason just um even sleeping habits yeah people pick up um yeah little bits of sickness and, and back spasms and that sort of thing and um, I think we got a lot of confidence from in previous years. I mean last year we we pretty much couldn't have had a worse run um coming home flight wise and that sort of thing. I think we only got home on like, the, the Tuesday or Wednesday, yeah, so that's right, yeah. um yeah, and then we came back and had a good win against Melbourne and um yeah, this year we had a pretty good uh, flight home but we um uh, yeah came down with a lot of players being sick so it was a pretty light week in terms of training, but I think the good thing as well was that we had all the, the African teams in the one block, so not much of our preparation or um, tactics for, for the Stormers game had changed. It was all pretty similar, so we were all sort of knew what we had to do and, and it was more of a mental thing rather than, um, yeah, I guess, draining um, everything from training.
1: Yeah. Okay. And so
0: leading into the game, and a bit of
1: the, the observation on the board is the storm. is I don't want to kick a dog while it's down, but they play this game where you can just sort of they can suck the life out of a game somewhat. One first question is how you went into the game. Do you do you approach that comp- that opposition with any specific tactics to to combat there, or are you just prepared for that grind? And and two, I guess. What's your reading of the game? Your performance in the game afterwards. Were you were you satisfied to get the win? Were there elements you're disappointed in?
0: Yeah, I think um, we we're obviously happy with the win, but we we knew it definitely wasn't our finest performance. Um, yeah, and that's obviously where a lot of the fatigue and that sort of thing played in came into it. But um, uh, yeah, I think in terms of tactically um, with the African teams, obviously very physical, very big. Um, and particularly the Stormers, the statistic before for the game was that they held onto the ball longer than any other team. So we had to be prepared to either hold onto the ball ourselves for a long time, or um, you know play it down there in their half and, and, and make them play out of it, with, and, and sort of back our defence to to get turnovers down there into the field, or um, yeah, get, hopefully get sort of a set piece down that end. But, um, which which sort of worked, but it, it turned into a um, bit of a kicking battle, which we didn't always win, but um, yeah, we did sort of manage to hold onto the ball for long periods of time there as well, when we didn't always necessarily get big yardage, but we ended up with you know having a good kick from Willie or Quaid or something that sort of put us back on the front foot.
1: Yeah, and what about your own game, James? I think... You started it, the two games now, and, and they've actually both been... Have you started both Suncorp games? Did you start versus the Cheaters?
0: Yeah, yeah, I started yeah. the um, Cheaters game, and Storms yeah, Stormers on the
1: weekend. Yeah, but. So you, you're playing some great football, and I, I dare say you're looking to be one of our more dangerous runners with the ball in hand in terms of... We all can obviously, remember that try versus the Cheaters, but you made some good ground um, versus the Stormers, too. You're happy with where your game is at at the moment?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been, uh, yeah, with the two games that I've, I've started, I've been I'm pretty, pretty happy with my performance. i I definitely think I've got a lot of improving to do, but, um, yeah, that's one aspect of my game that I like to do is get the ball in the hands and, and have a run. So, um, from the coaches' point of view, they've just pretty much told me to get it, to get the ball as much as I can. So, um, that's sort of one thing I've, I've been trying to do. And, and also, um, I think it's more to do with our whole forward pack is, is the set piece has been really strong throughout the whole season. So that's something that Salzy, coming from the force, um, has really tightened up in terms of um, technically around that set piece, the scrum and the line-out, and it's paying dividends at the moment.
1: Yeah, great. A couple of other things, a couple of minor points with this last game. I wouldn't mind having a look at the force, too, for obvious reasons. Um, a couple of injuries from that game. Quirky and, and Ships both went off. What's the story with them? Any word on whether they'll be right for this weekend, or I actually haven't seen anything in the press?
0: Yeah, I think um, they're both sort of, All the, the coaches are giving them a bit of time to, to make a call later in the week, but. Um, yeah, they're working around the clock at the moment to get themselves right. So I'm not, yep. I'm not exactly sure um, who's who's fit or or, or yeah. whatnot. But um, yeah, in any case, that's that's been the really I guess, strong part of our of our squad in the last few years. It's when we have had injuries, that you know the next guys have stood up and you know you saw Curtis Brown and get a lot of time there mm. on the weekend. Who came on and, and is a really strong ball carrier as well. It took us forward and then. Uh, and Benny Lucas came on, and when everyone was really tired, he got in there and did hard stuff. So it's um it's good to see those guys coming on and making a difference. And you know, I think we don't lose much in terms of if we if those guys drop out, then um you know we've got guys just as good to come on and do the job. Mate, wow. just before we move on from that game, mate, you
2: you made a pretty electric run. Uh, you must have felt the wind <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, kind of. Bristling through your beard there. Can you talk us through it? Can you talk us through what happened?
0: You must have watched it a few times. Come on. <laughs> it was actually, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a fight. Was, it was actually, it was a good passage of play. It was off a line-out, from what I remember, yeah. and um, the ball sort of, it didn't end up being a ruck. The ball just sort of kicked out the side, all the throwing back, and Simo made it break up the, into the field, and then there was a few... Um, crazy offloads, I think Dales did one and then Quadi obviously just threw a no-look pass, thinking that um, Rocket or someone fast would be there. Um, little did he know that it was a slow hooker and um, I missed it on the full and it just sort of popped back into me and I yeah, did a little a little jig and a step, and and um, managed to find my way in the corner, which is always nice.
2: Yeah, you must have felt them kind of slapping around your he- heels, did you? You know those, you know the, the the tackles that were being missed as you stepped through.
0: <laughs> yeah, the guy, um, one of, the, I think it was the number eight. Actually, I managed to get a, a hand on yeah. to bump to push him off. He came up to me after the game and and grabbed me and said. Don't you ever push me away again, eh? <laughs> it, was, it came at me a bit, but um,
2: it was a, a, a bit of a laugh. But I tell you, um, mate, one other thing I was going to ask is, um, the one thing I didn't notice about the game, it was good you guys got the win, but, um, geez, they could tackle the Stormers, couldn't they? I mean, the number of times you saw even people like Big Kev just getting stopped in their tracks, even going backwards. Um, they they yeah. they, they really know how to put a hit on.
0: Yeah, mate, it was, it's, it's, um, it's really... I mean, like, they're always, yeah, they're big units and they're strong, but you sort of think that when you're running that you're almost through a gap or whatever and then they just sort of pull you back and all of a sudden you're going backwards. Quite, um, quite strange that, because they're not like, I don't think technically they're the the best, um, uh, tacklers or, you know, even a lot of their game is not technically well, they're just built around, um, big units, so just the raw strength of them they uh yeah it's pretty amazing but the stormers defense um has has been up there with the best or if not the best the last few years so yeah and even something they've obviously worked on a lot yeah looking at the stats this year they're the top five teams
1: defensively and tackle success if you can you know rate that they're you know they're point one of a point behind the reds and the rebels and they're you know not far off the leaders which are the tars so they're despite where they are on the ladder, the defensive system's working for them. Um, Chip, yeah. what, what I want to have a look at this weekend. The Force and the Reds have an interesting relationship. You know, the, Obviously, the Waratahs will forever be our traditional rivals, and the, the Brumbies is definitely something that's um, sustained since that '96 uh, in the game, going professionalism and, and, and then recruiting a lot of our players. The Force have a similar background. From your perspective, is, is it just another derby, or is it the Force? I mean... We've got the history of uh losing a lot of our players over there and the whole Will Genny incident and um Richard Graham coming back over here and Stilesy and Steve Mee and in fact pretty much the whole combination. It's 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 gotta be a fascinating lead up to the force go.
0: Yeah, I think it, it it definitely does add a lot more excitement to it than um than previous years, I guess, with a lot of the moves um recently, but um yeah, I think that's more of a a sort of probably a personal battle with them really like um for us as a playing group we haven't really talked about that too much it's really just about um yeah getting that getting the win and um yeah I think you've got to find everyone's different in terms of motivation if, if that's um that's what sort of Richard is big on is, is individuals finding their own reasoning and motivations to go up games and if that's um you know something that does motivate you then he's all for it but we haven't really talked about that as a side. All we've talked about um, is is one getting better as a team, and then obviously trying to exploit their their weaknesses, which um, you know there aren't too many. They're, they're playing some good footy at the moment.
1: They are. All right. Well, just one question. Any slide text uh, across to Luke Moran? Huh.
0: No, I actually I only just sent one um, just tonight to see where he's getting in. So um, I'll, I'll be throwing a bit of heckle at him. When he does arrive,
1: anyway.
0: Oh, nice. Yes.
4: Yeah. Stu? Yep. Um,
0: so, Chibber,
4: in the highlights reel of your career, surely uh, one big feature will be your time at the, the Mighty Melbourne Rebels in the Australian Rugby Championship in 2007. Uh, are yeah. you looking forward to the, the rebirth of the now the NRC? And uh, can we look at getting you back down to Melbourne?
0: Hey. Mate, it definitely uh definitely was one of the sort of highlights of my career i thoroughly enjoyed um <laughs> living down there and i think that was one of the main reasons why the competition fell through because of our expenses but um oh. yeah i think it's a i think it's a great um a great theory and, and hopefully we can they can pull it off i'm not i mean i i don't know as much as anyone else about the details of what's happening but um yeah, I think if they can get up and running, it's a, it's a great avenue. And you just saw from the amount of guys that have come from that competition and have kicked on now, like it's it's pretty evident that um, it's beneficial for Australian rugby. So um, yeah, hopefully it can it can be a success. Yeah, Melbourne
4: is a great place to live, Chiba. Just just <laughs> want to put that out there. It is a great place to further one's career.
1: But it's not as hip, not as hip as Brisbane Stewards, oh, according to Lonely please. Planet. And according to oh. Lonely Planet,
4: look, Chip, we've got to let you go. My
1: one more question for you is: um, I don't know if it was on the TV broadcast, but at the game, one of the great initiatives of Queensland Rugby from last week's game—I'm sure they'll be there this weekend—is those bubble-headed caricatures of 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 the Faingers and and James and Quade and Will. Disappointed you didn't yeah. get one there, James, or?
0: Yeah, I didn't get a bait, but um, they're saying that um, the one of Quaidy, he's got like a beard and that sort of thing. So um, the boys are giving him a bit of stick that it looks more like uh, more like John O'Hi than than him, but, uh, which is pretty <laughs> filthy. Yeah. I,
1: think I think they're quite interchangeable, to be honest. I think the only distinguishing feature between Wills and Sayers is dreadlocks.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it is a it is a good initiative. I don't know. I think this weekend they're turning the. Um, Forex beer garden into the four X beard garden. So <laughs> and, um, <laughs> <laughs> it will have to uh yeah, get hopefully we'll see some impressive beards rolling around there this weekend <laughs> as well. <laughs> That's
4: brilliant. Brilliant.
0: All right, James. Look,
1: we're going to let you go. Really appreciate your time tonight, giving up some time on, uh, than, I think, not night before your day off. Um, best of luck for the preparations for the week. Congratulations on the season so far, but best of luck uh, versus the Force and for the rest of the season, and hopefully we'll get you on again sometime.
0: Yeah, thank you very, very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Cheers. Bye.
1: Yeah, right there, right there. Yep, and thanks to Chipper Hansen there for uh, joining us on the show. We're going to move forward to the uh, the last Warat- oh, sorry the last Australian match of the round, which was the Waratahs suffering their first defeat of the year, going down to the hey hey, hey the Brumbies beat. Oh no, sorry, the second defeat of the year. <laughs> yeah, we scrub that. We scrub that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, going down to the Sharks quite comprehensively, thirty two to ten. Uh, across there in the Republic. Obviously, the first game of the year without Israel. Um, perhaps that's what I was thinking, Steve. The general public was the loser for not having Israel in the team. But um, any thoughts on this one, Matt? I guess as a Waratah fan, we should start with you.
2: Yeah, well, I've got to say, I haven't managed to get around to seeing the whole game yet. So when you know the answer is 30 yeah. to 10, you don't really want to see the question. Um, so, But I have seen the first 20 minutes or so, um, in which I saw, for example, the stein uh, tackle, uh, whatever it was, um, fling. Yeah, the fling sort of the thing. The do. Yeah, it was obviously a late tackle and whatever. Um, I think Kirtley made a bit of a meal of it. But a it bit does. I don't get is, what's the point of this after match yellow card? isn't, yeah. that, isn't it totally pointless? I mean, is it? It goes I on the record, right? So I think oh. there's
1: one point is if he gets another yellow card, is it not an automatic red, meaning a suspension? Right.
2: It, well, I don't even... Does that accumulate? Like, what, Isn't it three, maybe? Is it three, I thought it. it was five.
1: Jeez, you know, this take, is what take you take want in a rugby podcast. Facts?
2: Yeah, <laughs> facts. Well, um, you know what? They probably don't know themselves. At the, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's the usual rugby thing. Uh, yeah, so, but, but in the first 20 minutes, i got to say, you would have thought that the Waratahs were doing pretty damn well. So, t- attacking-wise, they were looking good. They were making all the metres. But I think the same thing that I noticed also in the Reds game was that just at the breakdown and at the collision, the Sharks were winning, um, just like the Stormers were, uh, and really just knocking the Tars back, uh, managing to put pressure on them again, um, and, and kind of you know upsetting the apple cart. So um, that might have had a lot to do with it. I mean, I talked to somebody else just today who was saying, you know as the game went on, actually the refs' you know, decisions kind of got crazier and crazier, and I still haven't seen it, but Apparently, Dave Dennis actually got a yellow card for for for, not, for kind of for push and shove. I think was the official um, reason. So there you go. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it all yet. I probably should sit down and watch it. But um, yeah, not a not a great result. Um, I hope it's not because they don't know how to play without um, Izzy. But you know, when you've got a guy who's a guaranteed try or two every match, he's got to be someone you you know you feel the loss of.
1: Yeah, and look, I'm a massive fan of John Lance, and he'll add a lot to the Waratahs both on and off the field, but you've got to think it's a remarkable change, not so much in game plan, but just how the machinations of that team is when you're, you're replacing Izzy, this wonderful athlete who, who you know has got these great support lines with Jono Lance, who's, who's you know more solid player without the natural attacking flair. Um, what sort of impact that would have on a team and won't lay the blame on Johnny by any means, but it's uh, it's got to have an impact on the tyres. And as of yet, we still don't know whether Izzy will be there this weekend. Um, yep. But yeah, it was twelve three at half time. It was it was only really penalties in it. it was those couple of tries in that second half to, from Daniel and Cootsie. Um Obviously, a, a lot of penalties as is, is their want. And it was really the the Foley try was a, was a late one. It's more a consolation. So it was a pretty solid win by the Sharks. Steve, you got to see most of this game, I think.
3: Yeah, I saw the majority of it, and it really was a good niggle game. And I think uh, Jake White, and having seen him in action close at hand, his uh, mind games, he's, he's the master. And I think um, the after-match after comments between him and Michael Checker have uh, just probably added to their rivalry going forward. And just during the game, like with the, there's just a lot of off-the-ball off stuff, like handbags mostly, and with that Dave Dennis yellow card, if you could say... The ref had warned them twice before that, and he said, like he said, there's just too much rubbish going on. And he did say the next one will probably sit down. So, you know, if you looked at that as a standalone incident, it wasn't worthy of anything except to just calm down. But I think he'd had enough. But back to what had happened earlier in the game, uh, you look at Rob Horn clobbering Francois Stain across the jaw, and how he stayed on is a, another mystery. But I think that probably contributed to that niggle. Um, they just felt that they could probably take it into their own hands there. And there was allegations of punching in scrums from both sides. Um, Bismarck Duplassie was having a a good chat to the referee, and then Dave Dennis um, jumped on that bandwagon as well, but it obviously didn't work for him when he got the yellow card in the second half.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned Robbie Horn there, and you're right, he was lucky to stay on. Quite frankly, I reckon he's lucky to only get one week too, but that's the facts. But yeah, a lot of niggle and and a lot of... uh, say having chats to the referee, which has become a bit of a theme of recent South African matches as well.
3: Yeah, if it's not him, it's his brother.
1: Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on. There's no point uh, going on any further. We're disappointed uh, that the Waratahs weren't able to maintain. They've got a, a big one next week, so let's just run through the rest of those scores for the week. Uh, the Blues got over the Highlanders thirty to twelve. Uh, the Bulls and the Chiefs had a thirty-four all draw. Uh, pretty high-scoring one, and I think I cro- cro- covered off already on the Crusaders and Hurricanes. So that was Week Seven. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to uh, to I mean, Round just, Eight. Just say, before mate? we
4: move on, Reg, yes, uh, three was the magic number for yellow cards. Uh, so that's where the off-field yellows go. If you three, get okay.
2: three, uh, then, yeah,
4: there you go. You, We've all learned something today. Excellent typing. Well done. <laughs> all right. Um,
1: all right, so round eight. We're moving to round eight this week. Uh, the Sharks are the bye. First match of the round. Let's go straight to it. Highlanders versus Rebels. Stu, you're travelling over to Dunedin. Yep, over to the glasshouse. Um, can I just add, can I just quickly ask? Six, seven changes. How many changes this week? We're making a few. You've obviously uh, won a game.
4: Well, we've won a game, so I think um, let's throw the rule book out. I think 10 yep. would be nice. Fair enough. Um, uh, we might we might actually replace the sta- might actually replace the team. We might see how the Storm go, or <laughs> um, you know, the Demons aren't very good at the AFL, so we might see how they go in Super Rugby. Um, to be honest, yeah, I can't really get a form line out of either the Highlanders or the Rebels, so I I have no idea what's going to happen in this match. Uh, the Highlanders are um, usually quite good. At the Glasshouse, but they lost the last one at home uh, by two points to the Force. Uh, whereas the Rebels, um, I mean, they have never won a game overseas. So,
1: oh, is that right? That still maintains. Wow.
4: That's still maintained. They've never won it. They've never won a game overseas. Although I believe they've taken a bonus point
1: oh, good uh, for in New Zealand.
4: So we're slowly making progress. <laughs> but it's a really difficult one to to get a form line out of, and it really depends on how much the Rebels have learnt from last week. And they they need to be able to put that pressure on from the first minute until the last. And that's how they got the win against the Cheaters, and that's what's and not doing that has cost them uh, the win in each of their subsequent subsequent games before they uh, snapped out of it against the Brumbies. So. If they play that running ball that they did in the second half of this week, and and uh, keep that pressure on the Highlanders, I think the the Highlanders will fold, yeah, and we'll get right. our first win. You're right, mate. They've got a, they've got to
1: start from the start, particularly against these New Zealand teams, and particularly away in New Zealand, a place like mm-hmm. Dunedin. They've, they've got to start from the kickoff and really take the opposition, the opposition players, uh, the opposition crowd. The referee out of the game and control it from them. And secondly, quite genuinely, they cannot think about changing this team. Surely, I've got to
4: no, no. I think that it. that experiment has well and truly failed. And I mean, in all honesty, it's taken us a month to get over yep. the massive changes that we made after the first win. And yep. that's there's no hyperbole in that. It's we had a we had a winning team and a winning game plan, and we chucked it out after a week mm. and i think that has contributed to you know this defaulting to a an ineffective kicking game plan because they're not confident in the people around them now we finally snapped out of that in the second half of the last game against the brumbies they can't make a change to this team unless it's absolutely forced upon them mm.
1: yeah. all right well this is a tough one. The Highlanders are in 11th, the Rebels are in 12th, but it's only one point separating them. Uh, Steve, what's your tip, mate? Can you're in a position to have one at the moment?
3: Well, if you're as good as your last game, the Rebels will, should win this, I reckon. Uh, it would be good for them to finally get the overseas um, duck off their back. And uh, playing in the glasshouse should be good, so they can't blame the weather or wind or any other uh, excuse there. So hopefully they can stick it to the Highlanders in their... Um, I'm assuming they'll probably wear their green jerseys and uh, the Rebels can dominate them (laughs) Gags, what about yourself,
1: mate?
2: Well, I'm going to be the voice of reason here
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh Oh, come on, dude (laughs) No,
2: it's not that I don't want them to it'd be fantastic to see the Rebels go on I, I, I hope they do you can argue in one sense that this is a great time to break their duck, but with no home team crowd behind them I think it might be hard against the Highlanders but good luck
4: but at the same time, the crowd is an interesting uh, interesting point because the the donating crowd is n- notoriously rowdy. If you take them out of the game early on, it's um, it's open season. Mm-hmm. So it speaks to the point that they need to start playing from the first whistle.
2: Yeah, so don't give away 20 points. <laughs> no, yeah. maybe, uh,
4: maybe only 10. Yeah. That, worked for the, <laughs> that worked for the Brumbies. We got back after that.
2: Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, look. From my perspective, I um, I hear what you're saying, Mr. Voice of Reason. I'm going to be the voice of unreason and and, and back the rebels. I, I I just my only thing. I think McGann is a good coach. I think he would have learned from his lessons, and I think he's a he's got the potential to be this voodoo breaker. I think he'll uh, he'll do a lot for this team to uh, to get them up for this away win. So there we go. We're just getting Stu's vote. It's two one there.
4: It's time, boys. Time. <laughs>
1: Uh, straight on the back of the Highlanders-Rebels game is we moved down to Canberra where the Brumbies are taking on the Blues. Uh, Steve, what's your thoughts, mate? Uh, what's the word from the, the capital?
3: Well, I just had a quick look at them at uh, the Brumbies at training the other day and they weren't holding back hitting the rucks and uh, bashing each other at training. So I think they've obviously learned their lessons from the Rebels match and they'll be looking to get back on in the winner's circle after that uh, game against the Rebels. Uh, interesting to see how the Blues go They've got a few injuries t- to worry about um, Their second rowers I think they've only got two fit Second rowers um, To choose from for this game Which uh, is interesting with um, The Brumbies had signed uh, All-black legend Gary Webb Yes, yeah, Jack Webb yeah. um, And he he knocked back uh, A spot in the wider Training group so um, He wasn't to know that Cullen Retellick would get an ACL injury and be out for the season, and he, he could well have been starting this game um, for the Blues, but uh, he's on the other side. So good to see if um, if he can get in there and get one up over his um, old old man's team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and any word on changes, no injury concerns? Uh, we're, Lee Lefano is likely to start. What uh, do you that-
3: Lee Lefano, I heard today from... Um, Laurie Fisher saying it would be tough for him to displace Pat McCabe. Right. So, he did okay, – uh, yeah. Lila Farno did play, uh, I think, a sec, the whole second half against the Rebels. So, he's just yeah. slowly building that match fitness. Like, he had uh, 60 minutes for the Vikings, his club side, the week before that. So, it was at 100 minutes in two games. So, he'll uh, – slowly building that fitness up. So, that'll be good for the Brumbies to finally get um, a bit of a selection um, – Headache in the back line where they're struggling at the moment.
1: And add some depth to their bench, which I maintain is one of their weaknesses at the moment. So it's it's good to have some quality on the bench there. Um, Gags, any reading of this game?
2: Yeah, I think the Brumbies will do this one comfortably. I think they've done their cycle. Isn't their cycle to, you know, uh, lose a game, get really angry, belt the (laughs) next one you know, start to cruise the next one and then lose again. So yep. they're in the cycle there. With the, they've obviously got their angry pills on. I think the other bit is that I think, I, I, t- I mean, I've been really impressed by the Brumbies' set piece and how they've been using it as an attacking weapon. Um,
1: their scrum has been sensational. Well, yeah.
2: isn't that two games in a row with a penalty try? Is that right? Yep. Yeah, that's be, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you rarely see one in Super Rugby, and they've done that twice. Um, I think they're driving more off the line-out is also looking pretty awesome. Yep. Um, so I think if they can impl- um, impose a bit of that structure, plus the angry pills on the Blues, I think they
1: should have a comfortable win. Yep, Stu. What about yourself, mate?
3: Seeing uh, it any yeah. differently? Uh,
4: no one, nobody likes losing to the Rebels, so I, I think the Brumbies <laughs> will, the Brumbies will come back, and I don't think they'll smash the Blues because uh, as much as the uh, the Auckland squad is thinning out a bit, they have. Had a pretty good run. I think they've won the last two games in a row. They um, acquitted themselves pretty well in South Africa, so uh, they're a decent team with a um, and they play very good rugby. But I think you're right. the The Brumbies will be absolutely furious and uh, at what happened last Friday, and I think they'll they'll get the win.
1: Mate, that's a fairly generalistic comment. Nobody likes losing the rebels. No, well, not many, nobody not many does people like losing when... to the rebels, mate. Not many people yeah. have lost <laughs> to the rebels. Yeah, know. So
4: you're you're joining an exclusive club that no one wants to be part of.
2: Stings even much further. It stings. That's your pride, fucking with you.
4: Well, you would you wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> Remember to
1: mark this one an explicit one, okay? Like, yeah, no. but
4: you would you wouldn't know how it feels, Reg. So once we get over you guys, and we get the. Uh, the full house of Australian Super Rugby scalps, then um, you'll know their pain.
1: Yep, yep, yep. We'll Steve's got
4: a me. solitary tear going down his cheek right now.
1: <laughs> Maybe two. All, all, right. all right. Well, I'm I'm going the same way. I'll tip the Brumbies. I'm with Gags. I think they they'll uh, recover well from this and, and love to get back to Canberra. There've been a fair few home games for them, Steve. How many they've had this season so far?
3: The uh, Brumbies. I think this will be the fifth one. I think they are trying to get their games out of the way before winter turns up and no one wants no one wants to come and watch. So it
1: yeah, must be a tough run home for them then.
3: Uh yeah, they've still gotta to go to South Africa obviously. Yep. Um I think so they've got they've got two more games before the bye. So they've got uh this one obviously, then they've and got they've the Reds in up. Brisbane yep. and then they've got the bye, and then they've got the Chiefs at home straight after that on Anzac yeah, Day. Right. And then I think it's Crusaders. So they haven't, like what Chiba was saying with the Reds, how they had a block of South African teams, and um, you can sort of, once you've adjusted your game plan there, um, you you just play three uh, of the same country, so you don't have to do too much. But the the Brumbies have had uh, had two Australian teams into the Wellington and then back for the Waratahs, then the Stormers, then uh, the Rebels, and then back to another New Zealand side. So they haven't really had any consistency in that in that order. Yep.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, all right, well, let's move on. We've got the uh, Hurricanes playing the Bulls over there in Napier before the Reds take on the Force uh, up here at Suncorp. Uh, yeah, look, I don't expect this to be a pretty game. I could be surprised and they could come out and both teams try to run it. There's been um, occasions of that, but uh, I think they're... Force so undefeated against the Reds the last three games, two wins and a loss, including their first ever win at Suncorp Stadium last last year. Um, like I said to, to James Hansen, it's a remarkable history these guys. How they started, uh, but uh, you know, taking a lot of our key players, including our captain at the time, Nathan Sharp, and uh, the the Will Genia incident when uh, he was all but signed for the for the Force, and then we. The Reds got him back and then us taking Richard Graham and then quickly Stilesy and Steve Mean, and then you've got Luke Morahan back over there this year. It's <clears throat> remarkable and it should be a, a great contest regardless. Uh, very unsure about those uh, players who will be available for the Reds this weekend. Quirky looked very inconvenienced. I think he was one of those ones that had back spasms in the lineup to last week's game, but he hobbled off and, and, and Shipley went off quite early too. Um, we've lost a few outside backs at the moment uh, with obviously Aidan Tour and, and Chris, Chris Tua. Uh, I It'll be interesting to see if, if Ships is out. Turner, I'd say, will move to the wing. They'll either bring Benny Lucas straight into fullback, which they uh, they did on the weekend as a replacement, or they might bring in that JJ Tuilaga, which I'd love to say JJ's an uh, excellent a very high potential just a young guy uh scored 13 tries in 13 premier rugby games last year can create something out of nothing but can also go the other way as a lot of those players can so look uh i'm gonna back the reds obviously um but three in a row for the four so far in the season it'll be a very tough one matt what's your read
2: well uh, i'm i'm not a big fan of where where the how the reds are traveling at the moment I've got to say. Um, I I think I tweeted... All right, Steve, do I move on to Steve? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I tweeted during the game. I just think there's so many things kind of... Maybe it was because it was the Stormers, and, you know, they're a tough outfit, um, Mm -hmm. no doubt. But I just thought... It's interesting, you know, the breakdown and the the tackle collision have just become... you know, so much more important um, to everybody. And, you know, we talked to all the coaches kind of pre-season and they all said that was the thing they are focusing on. But the thing I seem to notice with the Reds is, unlike like the Tars and the Brumbies um, and even the Rebels, and you, you see, and, and and also the force now, I come to think of it, you, you rarely see people really doing one-out running. You usually have somebody on your hip um, so that, you know, there's at least two guys hitting the collision. And the Reds aren't doing that. I'm sure there's a, there's a choice in there. So I guess number two is is waiting for a clean-out or something like that. But what it means is they're just not making those yards. And then we've got, you know, Genya with his passing or his clearance problems. And I still see Quaid Cooper doing a lot of sideways stuff. Um, He still pulls out rabbits out of the hat, don't get me wrong. I don't know. I just – I watched the team. I was watching the team against the Stormers, and I thought this could go really wrong. But the Stormers couldn't fight – you know, couldn't score their way out of a paper bag. Um, So, I don't know. I think the Reds are kind of ripe um, for – you know, for the force here, who've been having a bit of a uh, bit of a ding dong. So, uh,
1: yeah, look, I, I hear what you're saying. I look, that's one of the reasons I love JJ in the team because he can create something, and I think that's what we're really lacking at the moment. Um, I was happy with Benny Tappawai's game. Versus he's he's the, looking a lot better, isn't he? Yeah, he did. He's yeah. making some, some gaps and some offloads. But listen to these stats. The Reds are currently, I think, one, two, three, fourth in terms of carries. Mm-hmm. Um, with the ball in the season, that's 619 carries. So they're fourth overall. But in terms of... Um, what's the stat I'm looking for? Clean breaks. They're down to third bottom uh, with only 21 clean breaks. So they've got one of the highest numbers of you know, running with the ball, but third lowest actual clean break. So they're just not effective. They're not, you know, getting through the line
0: by any
2: means. Well, you had a look at that that Stormers game, right? And, okay, the Stormers have got a good defence. Everyone says it. But, I mean, the Reds made something like it was like 130 um, rucks to 60 or something like that. It was massive, massive difference. So the Reds had 64% of the ball. You never see that in a percentage in a game, do you? And yet they made one line break against four. Even the Stormers made four line breaks. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it, there's yeah, there's something not kind of working there, and it wasn't really working last year either. But, I, 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 yeah, it, it, everyone's got their theories in it. We'll see. Um, yep,
1: okay. So you're tipping the Reds. Steve, uh, <laughs> on to you, mate.
3: I, I think the, the for the force, the buyer might have come at the wrong time for them because they were building some very good momentum there with their three wins in a row for the first time. I think with the Reds, you know, they've had some very big games, obviously, the four against the South African sides. But I think the key for them is to not get bogged down in the other team's game plan. you see, like, with the Cheaters game, it was very open, and that's how the Cheaters play. Uh, The Stormers, obviously, in a big defensive um, focus, and just grinding um, hit-ups and rucks and things like that. And so I think the Reds need to, to play their game and not get caught up in what the other team's trying to do. And, you know, they've got, the, they've got the cattle to do it. They just need to, you know, unleash that back line, which we've, you know, they have shown it in, in a little bit this year, like Aiden Tours try against the Brumbies. That, that's yep. an example of what they can do. Obviously, he's out. But, you know, they've still got some good names there at the back to, um, to put teams away.
1: Absolutely. All right, so another one for the Reds. And uh, Stu?
4: Forced by lights. We've played them into form. Um We've done the whole competition a service by uh, by making the Western Force competitive again, um, but I mean Gaggar's got it in one for mine. I think that the the Ford Ford play is going to um, going to define this match, and uh, if the Reds aren't going to commit proper numbers to the breakdown, then the Force forwards will just monster them, and their backs have been improving every week, so. Once the ball gets out to them, I'm not convinced that the Reds will have enough to um, to match them. Yeah, okay. Don't, don't
2: forget the loss of Liam Gill. I mean, jeez. Right. Yeah,
4: that too. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. forced by even more. <laughs> Interesting.
1: Okay, so everyone's gone for the Reds for that game. We're going to move on to the Cheaters and the Chiefs. There's over there in Blomfontein, the Lions and the Crusaders at Jayburg. And we'll wrap up with the Stormers versus the Waratahs over in Cape Town. Matt, uh, what's your feel on this one? It's a tough run back for the Stormers. You'd have to feel the Waratahs will bounce back fairly positively. I don't know,
2: Matt. Actually, I I think the Stormers will be absolutely stinging here. I think they're going to turn... And I think what the Sharkshade, for example, last week and other teams um, have done when the Tars haven't played well is that you can knock the Tars off their game. Um, and I think that's exactly what the Stormers will come out to do, and I think they could... I mean, if I was, you know, thinking about my be- my uh, tipping um, as a betting man, is I, yeah, I'd probably be going with the Stormers on this one. Um, I know Izzy's back in, isn't he? He's playing, which is... Oh, amazing. I don't think that's confirmed until
1: Thursday, yeah. He's in doubt.
2: He's in doubt, is he? Well, if that, that would just make it even worse. So, I think, yeah, I think the Tars are going to be pushing pushing it up. it will be a great win for them if they do. I guess yep. at least it's at sea um, level. Although, yep. you know, it was against the Sharks as well. But, uh, you know, yeah, I think they're going to put, I think the Stormers are going to be, because their backs are really against the wall. People are starting to ask for heads to roll and stuff like that. And it's not like the wheels have fallen off. Like, you know, their defence is still there. I think they're going to
3: make it tough.
1: Yeah, the, the big loss of Geo Apple in their live wire fullback, unfortunately for them. Uh, Steve, what's your thoughts
3: I think, this, yeah, the Stormers have uh, had a few changes this week. With um, They've got a new director of rugby put in yeah, as, of to, as of today. so yeah, obviously smile, yeah. Yeah, they've obviously, um, you know, swinging the axe there and putting Alistair Coetzee on, on notice that they needed something to be done. And, you know, like you said, their defensive record's been good, but there's been a lot of criticism over their attack this year. Um, you know, they obviously went close with the Crusaders. Um, probably should have beaten the Brumbies if Peter Grant could kick properly. Um, so they have been close in some games, and I think this time they've got to, um, they've got to get, one, get a win just to keep uh, you know, South African rugby happy.
1: Yeah, otherwise, okay. they'll
3: become the weak conference.
1: Yeah, well, we go. Stu?
3: Um,
4: yeah, just echoing, echoing the thoughts uh, from Gags and Steve, I have family in South Africa. I was talking to them yesterday, family in Cape Town, and we we're talking rugby and the Stormers have not been under this much pressure from the media uh, about their performance in years so something has to give if if they don't win this game uh, this game this week then a lot more heads are going to roll so the they're going to be up for it it will hinge on whether Rizzy's there i think the they, the Waratahs lost a bit of that attacking flair um, with him gone. Um, and I'm not convinced they have enough enough uh, scoring options out back without him. So, yeah, Stormers for mine. They they just have to win.
1: You unpatriotic bastards. All three of you going for the Stormers. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. Who would have thought that I'd be the lone Waratah supporter here? Um, I'll only go for them as a point of difference. But, um, all right, well, that's, that's uh, <laughs> round eight. Come on, talk us into it, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think they're I think they're a well-coached team, and I think good coaches have the ability to turn around that performance. I think the Stormers will struggle. I think you're right, the defence is there, but they're still scrappy. The attack didn't show too much. Gio Applin is the man that has won them their game in the past. He's gone now for the season, um, and I think is off to France at the end of the season as well, so they won't see him again, and I think he's a massive loss. I, I just can't see how they'll bounce back um, from this trip home. Whereas the Waratahs will uh, are already over there and, and well positioned. Um, you're right, Izzy is a big loss. Is Alofa Alofa injured? I was surprised he wasn't in the team last week, was he? No, he's just, like, I think he's dropped. Was Straight it just dropped? I mean, when you take Izzy and Alofa Alofa out, there, there's two of your most um, uh, penetrative backs. Um, you know, I think they might see see that selection a bit differently this week. So that's that's why I'm going for the tars. Um And just because you know I love New South Wales. Um, look, that's uh, that's round eight. Look, we do have a <laughs> We do have some news. Uh, we just wanted to talk to um, uh, a few quick ones. The first one is Andrew Andrew Fafita, um, the the league who's uh, was all signed and dusted from the Shark Cronulla Sharks to the Canterbury Bulldogs, and came out and made some statement that he had wished he'd come to Rugby Union and somewhat related or t- completely unrelated, the Bulldogs have now torn up his contract. Who knows where he'll go, but all the talk is, will he come to rugby? Matt, what's your reading of this situation?
2: Well, I have, you know, having been in Pommie for the last too long to remember, um, his career has completely passed me by. Yeah, uh, I, when I'd seen the guy, you know, on TV as a bit of a walking car crash by the looks of things, but I have no idea what he's like as a player. I think the whole idea of any leaguey I mean, it's interesting to hear that he's got some rugby in his background. Um, so I'm going to be looking to you guys to tell me just how how much of that there was. But otherwise, I think it's going to be, it's always going to be tough for a league to go to a forwards, uh role cause these days because it's so technical.
1: Steve, you've probably got as much insight as anyone else. He he had some involvement with the Brumbies?
3: Yeah, apparently he was with the Brumbies Academy, and I didn't know that until I'd read it somewhere. So um, obviously, I think the academy system back when he was here... Uh, wasn't as, as high profile as it was, so as it is now, sorry. So that was a bit of a surprise, but obviously he's got some good grounding if he's um, been through the Brumbies system. Well, yeah. That's, that's interesting.
1: A- and I'm with you, Gags. I'm not a massive league follower, but um, he's played for Australia. He's played Origin, I believe. I think they rate him the number one prop in the world. So, you know, he's obviously got some sort of ability. Um, I don't think he's worth 800,000, but... Um, if it was between him and James O'Connor for a contract, I think I'd be going for the, the big big, strong forward. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, although, I mean, I think as I'm just reading some reports here, I think the sort of money that he'd be looking
1: for, he, he could be having trouble finding it. Yeah, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Except in France, perhaps, with their new TV deal. Oh, indeed. And speaking of France, Stu, mate, Hugh Pyle is off at the end of the year. This uh, one shocked me.
4: I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I know. What's going on? Um. Well, trying to see it in a positive light for for Hugh and his career, you you have to think that he's he's talked to Ewan and he just must not be in the frame for twenty fifteen. But even that to me is surprising because he he continues to improve. I think he is one of the form second rowers in the competition. Um, although Luke Jones is rising as well. Um, I, I'm, I'm still completely surprised. I think for him to go to France at this stage of his career, very early stage of his career, um, he's either being really pragmatic or really silly.
1: I, I, It shocked me too, Stuart. And I I would seriously doubt that Ewan would have said anything of the sorts of, of you're not in contention for us. I don't think he'd be one to discount a young... Yeah. Uh, athletic lot in particular, let alone any player. I think he'd want to say, see him put his, uh, you know, heart and soul into getting ready and making the Wallabies. Uh, you know, on the back of Peter Kimlin going over and and then deciding to stay over there, Benny Mo to a lesser extent, I think this is this is a reality that's about to hit Australian rugby pretty hard. Um, as I mentioned, I think France have just finished or just finalised their new TV rights broadcast deal, which is. Huge and and will arm up all of those clubs over there with more money than we could possibly imagine. Possibly imagine, which will put us under all sorts of pressure from a retention but, perspective. I mean,
4: I mean, that, that's that's all well and good, but I'm I'm sorry, I can't get over the fact that it is a World Cup year, and he is one of the most talented young second rollers in the country. I'm with it's, you, Steve. It's I, it's it's. it's, it's Bizarre, and if, if the if the Australian Rugby Union are so far behind in terms of just being able to retain players, then we have some serious problems, yep. and not just for next year, but going forward.
2: Yep. So I, I there was an interesting article that got, got sent to me, which I think um, it was uh, Clyde Rathbone wrote on some other website, um, and in it he was basically saying, well, you know. Everyone's being very short-sighted. Yes, the ARU, which, you know, I think we all know is going bust.
0: Mm. I'm,
2: I'm not aware of a solution to the hole that they're going to hit in yeah. 2015, and I, don't, and I don't think they are. And I think that, they, you know, the, the signals that they have to take um, $800,000 out of junior rugby to, um, isn't, a, isn't, isn't a great one. So they do not have any money. Their biggest expenditure line is player costs. That is it. So, so you know, as far if you're looking at a business that's going bust, um, you know, for, And Clyde Rathbone was basically saying, whatever you do, and you can't look at the player costs. Because if you do that, then you're just going to lose more people to overseas. Um, so we're in this kind of system where it's like, so your question, Stu, as well, what, what can the hour you do? If it's about money, nothing is the answer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if anything, the only answer they're going to be able to give is, actually, guys, you're probably going to have to take less. Um, yeah. You're either going to have to take less or watch your company go bust. Yeah. Um, so that's the situation they're going to be in. I do think, though, your other point that you make was was, was the was the correct one, which is I think it's some fairly short sighted. I mean, unless there are other things involved, like an injury maybe or yeah. other life goal that he always had. I don't know. Um, so those things cannot you know you can you can put into it. Um, but at the end of the day, the only reason Benny uh, Moen could do this was because you know he had those caps as a Wallaby and and, yeah. and 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 was a was a captain there. That's why he had paid it. Um, yeah. But you have to you have to stick around and play for a number of years before you can do that. So and, uh, you know this. I think this thing that everyone's going, <laughs> oh, we're going to lose all our young talent. I don't think so um, to a large extent because I think for two things. One is a lot of people want to play for their country, and I think the second one is that's how they're going to get their payday if they're good enough. That's how they're going to get it. And if they're and, not, and if they're not good enough, then actually them stepping aside for someone else to come through, maybe not such a bad thing.
4: Yeah. And I, I do. I find it concerning for exactly that reason because this isn't the time in your career that you go and chase money for the sake of chasing money I mean I don't see that he has much value to a team in France apart from being a young second row because he hasn't earned his stripes on the international field mm. and I mean the only other way I can see it being A pragmatic move is if he's afraid of someone like Luke Jones taking his spot in not only the Rebels' starting side but the Wallabies' side. Um, Apart from that, I just I just find it really, really confusing, and I suppose each time this happens, it 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 does make you think because it is putting a price on a gold jersey with something that we have been. Taught from day dot is something without a concept of value. It is so precious that you know only a certain amount of people in the world get to wear it. Um, these these actions put value on it and obviously that value is not enough. It's Or it's being perceived as not enough. And that's a shame.
1: It is, mate. I, I think it's a situation. we are got to watch this space. I think... Uh He's not the first, obviously, but uh, he's one of the youngest and um, we'll see uh, how things develop over the next few years because I think post-215, we're going to lose a lot more and if we don't have those guys coming through underneath, uh, we're going to hurt. All right, uh, quick one. Also, we just saw the Hong Kong Sevens wrap up on the weekend. The Australian team doing damn well early on. They, They put in a wonderful performance to beat. South Africa in the last of their pool games, went down to New Zealand in the semi-final and then lost to Fiji in the 3-4 playoff. But it also marks the end of Michael O'Connor's coaching career. Uh, I think it's almost six years as a coach of the Auss- Aussie Sevens team. Guys, do you, any of you watch the Hong Kong Sevens?
2: Well, I did, thoughts? and I saw that semi-final against the Kiwis. And... I was gobsmacked that even in a breakdown, when there was only like two people, the Kiwis could still cheat their asses off and get away (laughs) with it. It was unbelievable. It was like, you know, how you could be on the wrong side, um, walking around. Uh, It was just, it was crazy. And uh, there was yet another uh, ref who basically succumbed to the Kiwi aura. Um, So that was disappointing. But I mean, damn it, they are pretty, they are pretty good. Um, I must admit, they probably would have won it anyway. But our guys look good, I thought, um, and uh, seem to know what they were about. Um, so, yeah, hopefully uh, the, hopefully onwards and upwards.
1: Yeah, I think they've definitely been on the improve this year. They've put in some good performance, had some very memorable wins. It's uh, up to the AAU now to find the, the model that's going to work moving forward to, uh, we've got obviously, the Glasgow Games later this year, but more importantly, probably 2016 in Rio. Um We'll see how they go to
2: there. Can I just say that I think when you look at that team, she's I'm, I'm no sevens expert. It looks to me we've got a bunch of really good workmen there now who know their mm. craft and and you know in the can the game against Canada um, where they basically just played it perfectly. You know they just scored a last minute try. It looked like it was almost effortless. You know their game management was really good. They just seem to be missing a couple of physical freaks. Yeah, um, which I think you need in sevens. You know you yep. need someone who's just going to gas everyone. Yeah, and, and and somebody else who can who's got an incredible motor on them. I mean. Ed uh, Jenkins, I think it is, isn't yeah. far, isn't far off that. But you know, like that D J Forbes um, character, yeah. sort of guy who's a one-man ruck. Um, you know, you need a couple of those guys, and I, and I, don't think we've got that at the moment.
1: Well, particularly you know the maturity of a DJ Forbes type character because all I, it's our young guys coming and you look at the Shaw McMahons and all that sort of stuff. who go on and play Super Rugby. Um, you got that Shannon Walker who came across from the League a few years ago and has definitely shown glimpses on the sevens circuit, but uh, is is somewhat inconsistent and in, in injury prone as well. But you know a, a very promising year both uh, from the sevens team. A few more, I think, a few more games uh, tournaments to go. Um, look. Before we wrap up, guys, I think it's 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 not our code, um, and they're often perceived as the enemy. But we had uh, the news of Alex McKinnon um, from the Newcastle Knights, a young rugby league player, who was seriously injured in a tackle that went wrong um, uh, a couple of weekends ago, the weekend before last, and, and is uh, under you know a, a, a serious questions as to his future and, and how he uh, lives the rest of his life, and it's not. Irrelevant to our game, but I think it's uh, appropriate for us to just send our best wishes out to Alex and the family, and indeed everyone involved uh, in that game, that the tackler, even from the Storm. But uh, just to say that our thoughts are with them all, and, and we hope them, uh, we wish them all the very best, and, and, and they get the the best imaginable outcome they have. Indeed. Um, yep. So, without finishing on a downer, there, guys, that's the that's the week in the podcast. It's a, a longer one today, but there's some big news and a in a big round. So. We're heading into round eight now, guys. Um, it's going to be a crack of some great local derbies and uh, and taking on a couple of important games there for the Tars and the Brumbies. So let's uh, let's get out there and enjoy your rugby this week. Premier Rugby started in both Brisbane and uh, Sydney and Canberra. Steve, you got uh, no, no, yeah, and yeah, Melbourne, um, yep.
3: Excellent. Yeah, John, John I Dent Cup in Canberra starts this That's week. right. Excellent.
1: Well, that's all out there. So get out there, support your rugby, get to the Super Rugby games as well. And Matt, Steve, Stu, thanks for your time.
4: Thank you.
2: Thanks, Rich.
1: We'll see you guys next week.
4: Go Rebels.